this thing on? If you like rock music, punk, metal, or blues, then you've come to the right place because we like it too. Peace, and welcome to Soundcheck, Central Michigan Life's rock and roll and alternative music podcast. Um, for the listener, I'm wearing my John Lennon glasses, and I am here with my wonderful co-host, whose name starts with A. I believe that is me, Andrew Mullen. And our other co-host, who is a far bigger John Lennon fan than I. Michael Livingston. Um, I have put on my circular glasses today that kind of make me look more like Willy Wonka than John Lennon <laughs> to introduce this, what is effectively a mini episode from us, which hasn't really happened before, or if it has, it's been a very rare occurrence. Essentially within the last week, we started working on another episode of record roulette. Um, I ran into COVID and I am now in quarantine and we didn't want to do the rest of that episode over zoom. We would much prefer to do it in person once it's safe to do. So, um, doing this mini episode, the concept of which I'm going to explain after everyone does their, their housekeeping. So do you want to do some housekeeping for us, Andrew, in terms of social uh, media? Sure. Well, you can follow us on S check official at S check official on Twitter. You can follow me at Andrew Mullen four. Follow me at Michael C. Live. And you can't. Um, and me. to um, plug in so our more recent, our most recent episodes, uh, last time you, you heard us, uh, we were talking to our wonderful friend Ben Solis all about you know the thrash metal, particularly Beyond the Big Four. If you had to listen to that, please go do so. It's one of my favorite episodes we've done because I'm a big fan of the genre. Um, and I think it was a lot of fun, so just go check that out. I believe before that, um, we did short songs, correct? That was the episode Sounds before. Right. We talked about songs under under a minute and a half. Uh, if you want to go hear that, which you should, it was a lot of fun. Uh, go check that out. Um, and hear whether or not if you would go on the Wiza Cruise. I suppose that's a meme now. We didn't ask Ben Salise if you'd go on the Wiza Cruise. Maybe we should text him and then we can hear back later. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, nope, I think that's, that's everything that I can think of. Um, yeah. So why this episode is happening, basically, in short, is we just needed something to fill the space. And I thought this would be a fun little craft. When the world is normal, old ladies especially, they love to get together and do some crafting. And what's the goal of crafting or, or taking a painting class or something like that? It's not usually to be a great artist. It's just to create something that's your own out of an idea that exists already. So basically, what we're doing today is our own version of musical crafting. We're taking the Beatles' White Album, which is their longest album and was originally a double LP, and we're each cutting it down to around 45 minutes, which is about the length of a single LP. So essentially, we're just we're portraying what we would have liked the Beatles' White Album to sound like if it was a single LP. Later on, we're going to talk about whether or not it should have been a single LP at all. But um, first, we're going to kind of run down each of our track lists. We're just going to discuss the songs in general and what we were trying to do with each of our white albums. I think that's really everything. Does everyone understand what we're doing? 
Aye, aye, Captain. Excellent. That was well. Okay. So since I, I am the leader today, um, as uncomfortable as that is for me, um, I am going to talk about my white album first. You should be pulled out onto the big screen now if you're watching on video so you can it's, see. Now, Ben, real, real quick, though, before you go, um, I don't know if you explained it. So generally, how are we narrowing down, you know, I mean, the general idea is if you were to narrow this down to one LP, one final record, uh, if you were to say, uh, of the White Album, you know, all the songs on there, exactly what do you mean by that? How long uh, should the should your version be? Um, like how are we doing it based on like sides of the records? Uh, right. explain that real quick. Okay. So if you want to do this yourself and if you want to really understand the method behind the madness of what we did, um, basically there's a limit to the amount of music you can put on the side of a record. I'm sure most people who are familiar with records know that it's around 23 minutes. Um, and the white album was of a length that about each side of side A, B, C, and D of the white album was 23 minutes. So essentially what we're doing is just making two 23-ish minute segments of music and that's your side one and your side two of your single LP. Um, so I think we were we were doing the length of these anywhere from like 45 minutes. 45 minutes was like the average. I think minus 46 Andrews is like 46 or 47. 47. Michael's was um, a little shorter, but we sort of based it off of the LPs that shipped with the White Album in the first place, but also just the Beatles' previous records in terms of length. And then I, I at least attempted to sequence mine for vinyl, and we'll we'll talk about you know where this where side one starts and ends, and where side two starts and ends for each of us if we decided to set up our playlist in that way. But I think that's pretty clear, right? Enough talk. Let's talk Beatles. Okay. <laughs> the, the most basic soundcheck episode ever, question mark. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So mine first. I will just run down the song titles. We're not going to be playing much music today. So if you've never heard the Beatles before, then go listen to it. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> mine starts off back in the USSR, followed up by Dear Prudence. So nothing's changed so far. Then we got Martha, my dear. I'm so tired in the fourth track position. Fifth track, cry, baby, cry. Sixth track, happiness is a warm gun. Seventh track, while my guitar gently weeps. And closing out the first side is I will. Then the second side kicks off with Helter Skelter, followed by the palate cleanser. Why don't we do it in the road? Rocky Raccoon is after that. Then Honey Pie as the fourth track of side two. Fifth side of track two is Julia. The sixth is Blackbird. The seventh is Long, Long, Long. And as on the original White Album, it closes off with Good Night. But this is an alternate take from the deluxe edition of the White Album that was released in 2018. Um, that's, that's my track listing. And generally, what I was trying to do... Well, first of all, I was trying to cut out what I view as the filler, which I think we all were. But I was also not purposefully focusing on Paul because he's my favorite Beatle. Um, it just kind of happened that way. Uh, and then I sort of went for, I like the one, two punch that back in the USSR dear prudence has. So I kept that. And then I sort of would have the side 
kind of tail off. It's, it goes from back in the USSR to Dear Prudence to some softer stuff, Martha, my dear, I'm so tired, cry, baby, cry. Then it amps up a little bit at the end with happiness is a warm gun and while my guitar gently weeps. And then I'm a really big fan of short songs that end sides of albums, so I put I Will there. And then you sort of see the same thing happening again where you have some harder rocking stuff like Helter Skelter, Why Don't We Do It in the Road, kind of plods along in a rocking sort of way. Then Rocky Raccoon can go a little hard with that saloon piano. And then it sort of tails off into more ballady stuff and leaves you with the very pleasant take 10 of good night at the end. So I was, I was just kind of basing it off of track listings that I've seen otherwise with a wild disregard for things like uh, how many McCartney songs versus how many Lennon songs. Um, I wasn't, I was just sort of, those get stacked together a lot of the time. Like I think I have, three Lennon songs in a row at one point. I think I have three or four McCartney songs in a row at one point, maybe. Yeah. Four. So that's kind of what I did. I don't know. Um, do you have anything to say, Michael, about Ben's, um, kind of Ben's, uh, layout? Yeah, is, there, is there anything egregious that I left out? Is there anything mm-hmm. that I should have cut? Here's I like yours. I like yours a lot, Ben. And, and don't and correct me if I'm wrong, but you put this together long before this episode started, right? This, yeah, this was an something I was doing over quarantine. Originally, I did this with this. I did this with the Clashes Sandinista as well. But I sort of reconfigured it for this episode. I added it a little. I moved stuff around, so it's it's retooled from when I originally made it. Do you feel like there's a strong? progression between the loud and the soft and the and dynamic wise because that is something i really tried to shoot for on mine kind of giving a sort of variety of different dynamics sound song structure or did you find yourself gravitating to one of the beatles many shades of sound um, that we see on the white album i definitely noticed that i am more inclined to go for the uh ballady kind of stuff and i like the pastiche stuff too like martha my dear is doing sort of a music hall kind of thing that paul liked to do or uh, happiness is a warm gun is doing kind of a doo-wop thing i like when they would dip into genres like that and i just really like really good ballad stuff like julia and blackbird and long 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 is kind of ballady too i i like I like those kinds of songs from this album, especially I thought that they were writing really well. And there was a soft psychedelic uh, element to thing long, long, long that you don't hear very much else in their discography. There's, there's a lot of sweetness here without it getting too overly sweet. A lot of the time that can definitely happen with stuff like Paul, but I like that too. So mm-hmm. definitely tended towards the ballads. Yeah, that is something I noticed, kind of how you structured uh, this one. You know, it kind of starts off kind of high energy with Back to the USSR. I think I think all of us started, um, didn't really change that opener. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but um, okay, so all of us did. But, you know, I, I, I noticed, and I kind of did the opposite with mine. We'll get some, and I'll kind of explain that more. We did it in a second, but you kind of had your album trail off in a way you kind of like got it made it go softer you kind of introduced a lot of this balance towards the end of a nifty record end of the run you, know, you started off side two with helter skelter which is obviously the most insane songs ever written um and then you kind of kind of gradually decreased it with energy as you went down which i which i which is interesting i think that's a really interesting uh, way of doing it um i guess was there a particular reason why you wanted to 
kind of have have your record end like that? It was just it was just the way that it ended up happening. What I did is I just put the whole album in a playlist and then I went through and cut out stuff that I definitely didn't want. I was like, okay, continuing story of Bungalow Bill, Wild Honey Pie. I definitely don't need these things in my single LP. And then I just sort of had to find a way to fit it together. Helter Skelter was definitely the hardest piece of that puzzle yeah. because I couldn't, you cannot resist that song. I couldn't take it out of the white album. That would be blasphemous, but I was having trouble connecting it to the rest of my album. Enter probably my most questionable choice. Why don't we do it in the road, which I was able to use. I think if you listen to it in, in the order I have it in Helter Skelter leads off the side. And then why don't we do it in the road still has the like rock blues kind of elements, Mm -hmm. but it does it in, an instrumental style that's more similar to the rest of side two. So it's a short song and serves as kind of a bridge between the craziness of Helter Skelter and the rest of my side, which never again comes close to hitting the energy levels of Helter Skelter. One thing I'm kind of seeing is like when I'm looking at Helter Skelter, why don't we do it in the road and Rocky Raccoon all in an order? I like that you're kind of saving these because uh, I, I view all three of those songs as really like kind of uh, like funny, serious, like there, there's so many different flavors of lyricism there, but all are pretty profound. And just the I mean, why don't we do it in the road is not profound per se, but like it's 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 putting like kind of a, a, a like humorous nod in it somewhere so you're saving all of these secrets and these sort of like easter eggs for the second half of the lp which i think if this was something like this was to come out would really improve the listening experience i don't know that's just a a, something i'm noticing right now and I, i think i can really admire about just like the track structure and you know envisioning myself flipping over the album to side b and really getting blown away by how that's ordered Right. I was well, thank you. I was definitely thinking a lot about Helter Skelter and putting it in here somewhere because I toyed with the idea of that opening the album and then I was just like that's insane, especially for if you put yourself back in 1968 and you buy the new Beatles album and that's the first thing you hear. It would be I don't I don't know if it would necessarily be off-putting, but it would at the mo- at the least be very very surprising. And I didn't want to alienate the listener right away with something like that. I wanted to kind of give them the first side, which tends a little bit more towards what the Beatles had been doing. And then the second side gets a little bit further out there as opposed to what they were doing. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of what I have. If I, if I was going to play one song from this side, I would really like to play. I think the the big standout um, is take 10 of good night. It was when the band was kind of doing it. Um, and there are, it's 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 not as heavy of an emphasis on the strings and also paul is helping ringo sing it which i think helps the song out a lot like i think goodnight is a pretty interesting way to end the white album but to me that version is a lot fuller it, without having all that overtop string stuff it sounds a lot fuller also the guitar part harkens back to dear prudence so it's kind of bookending the album with something like that the the other thing i'd like to point out and there's a version of it on um this reissue the the 2018 reissue with all the bonus tracks but there's a version of revolution uh, my personal favorite is take 20 where you start with the acoustic 
version that we know as Revolution 1, and over the 10 minutes in length that it is, it kind of turns into the avant-garde track of Revolution Number 9. And I think when you listen to that full take, you get more of an idea of what they were trying to do with that song as opposed to what it ended up being on the album, which is a little insufferable in my opinion. Um, but that's that's really, I think that's everything with my version, unless anyone else has anything to say. No, I want to see Andrews now, because right. I think uh, now that I'm, I got the dissection of all this, I'm interested to see the angles that or the goals that Andrew tried to accomplish with his. Excellent. All right. So as I said, it is my turn now to read off uh, my uh, version of this. So first off, uh, I think like everyone else, uh, back in the the USSR, then it goes into Glass Onion, then it goes to, I never pronounced this one, right? Abladi, Ablada, whatever. Uh, then it goes into Dear Prudence, Martha, my dear, the continuing the continuing story of Bungalow Bill, Happiness is a Warm Gun, I'm So Tired, and then to end off uh, side one is Blackbird. Uh, side two begins with Long, 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 then uh, Savoy Truffle, Your Blues, Helter Skelter, Julia, and it ends off with While My Guitar Gently Weeps. So, it's uh, so a lot to unpack here, kind of how I ordered some stuff. So, Kind of the, probably one of the more controversial picks right up top is that I kind of separated Dear Prudence and Back in the USSR. And originally I had them together at the start uh, because, you know, Back in the USSR is a perfect opener. Why would I change that? Um, and Dear Prudence, and, and, and it bleeds right into Dear Prudence. However, um, I, I'm not, I've never been a fan of albums that have like such energetic openers, something like Back in the USSR. It's not the most energetic song on the record, I know, but it's still pretty high energy comparatively to the rest of the record. And just having that go right into like a slower song like Dear Prudence, I mean, I know it builds, but it just always just kind of like kills an album's momentum to me. I think, uh, Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden does the same thing, going from Invaders to Children of the Damned. So, mm. to kind of like a, to to kind of uh, quell my own annoyance with that kind of stuff, I kind of moved that one further down. Um, I wanted to keep Glass Onion. I I don't know if I know Ben, you didn't. Michael, did you keep Glass Onion in um, your playlist? No, I mean I've always liked Glass Onion because it's just another uh, installment in the long running series of John Lennon writing pointless, goofy novelty songs that don't mean anything to annoy Beatle fans who overanalyze lyrics, which I've always appreciated. So like I am the walrus does the same thing. So I, I've always loved that track and it's a really, it's got a really cool opener. So uh, with like the drums and whatnot. So I kept that in there, uh, kind of kept the energy going on, going on with Abla D. I kept that one there. It's a, I almost cut that one. It's a bit annoying, but whatever. I left it there and then, Kind of to bring things a little calmer, I went to Dear Prudence, Martha, my dear. Um, can you story a bungalow bill? I actually found myself really enjoying it because if I may indeed consult, uh, if I can find it, my handy dandy Beatles Bible oh. here. It's, uh, <laughs> I have all the songs, um, the story behind every Beatles release. If you've never, um, if you. It's a, it's a big book, but if you ever get your hands on it, I would definitely recommend looking through it because it's a really interesting insight to literally every song written by the Beatles. I think there's one for Dylan and Zeppelin too. So, but uh, yeah, I think 
in in this book I read that John was kind of inspired when because obviously a lot of this record was written when they were all in their weird excursion over to India to like meditate mm-hmm. and do stuff. And like when John was there, he heard about this guy who like after between each meditation session, she would go out and like hunt for tigers, which, you know, seemed it's not necessarily an animal rights song, but I, I kind of view it as an interesting look into human, uh, you know, um, uh, what's the word? Um, like trophy hunting? No, 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 hypocrisy, human hypocrisy. So that's what I meant to say. But yeah, mm. so I always appreciated that. And I think it kind of fits with this weird, demented uh, tone of happiness as a warm gun. So I put those together. Uh, I think I'm so tired. It's just a perfect lead off from those tracks. And then kind of on the happier side of things, Blackbird, which I think is a really uh, undervalued protest song from the Beatles category. They didn't really write a lot of great ones, to be honest. Um, so I think Blackbird definitely stays. Um, and then we get into the, some of the George songs. Everyone, anyone who knows me knows that George Harrison's my favorite Beatles. Um, so I went with Savoy Truffle and a long, long, long kind of together. And, uh, at this point, this is where I kind of wanted to build up to Helter mm. Skelter because it's such a monumental just gut punch. You know, it's one of the first ever arguably hard rock and heavy metal tracks. So I, I kind of I from from the beginning of side two, I kind of let from long, long, long to Helter Skelter. I kind of wanted to build up to it. So I went to Savoy Truffle, which, which rocks a little harder, but still kind of goofy. And you get to your blues, which is cause kind of this really groovy, kind of heavy, you know, blues rock uh, track from Lennon that I really like uh, into Helter Skelter. And then to kind of, but I really wanted to offset Helter Skelter, you know, it's wild manic craziness with something completely relaxing and, and gentle. That's why I went with Julia. It's a great acoustic ballad, uh, which by the way, according to my book is the only solo John track in the entire Beatles. Sky- I'm, okay, I'm done that joke. Um, and then to end it off, I went with my Wild My Kachar Gently Weeps because I will not argue this. It is the best song on the whole record. I know that's a bit of a, a pleb choice, but, um, and again, kind of by by because I'm a big uh, Harrison fan as well as a Clapton fan when it comes to, well, to his guitar playing, not necessarily the person. But uh, no, it, it's, it's a, not only is it a great, great track, but it's also a wonderful emotional high, which I feel like if you want a great album closer, you end off with the, the emotional high point. So to really make the album memorable, memorable. So that's why I ended it with while my, while my guitar gently weeps. Um, really, I, I as far as like what to keep, I was kind of, um, you know, obviously I, I, I wanted to cut the fat per se, cut the pointless guff, which sorry, Ben met a lot of Paul songs had to go because, um, I'm no, I, as much as I love Paul's stuff in the 70s, and I think he wrote a lot of great Beatle tracks, especially during this point when we're talking about the White Album and Sgt. Peppers, um, Paul had a lot of garbage. And granted, John did too on Sgt. Peppers. I will argue that is the most overrated Beatles record. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, you know, so obviously a lot of his stuff I had to go. What's not a buy? It's just gonna think, I just don't need wild honey pie. Why don't we do it in the road? And other crap i don't even remember um and uh, although not that's not to say john didn't have any pointless stuff here um <clears throat> sexy sadie revolution nine ahem um of course piggies as much as i'm a big george fan uh, i removed piggies you know that was the one george song i removed I only had four on this which is criminal if you ask me but um that the, the lyrics are half baked although the instrumental was nice and uh bringo's only track don't pass me by it's just this weird 
poorly sung kind of country song. So, you know, there, I, I think there is a lot of, uh, and we'll probably talk this more at the end, but I think there's a lot of stuff that had to be cut from here. But I also wanted to keep some sort of variety because I feel like trying to make the album more cohesive would kind of defeat the purpose of the White Album. So mm-hmm. I still kept some variety, still kept some oddness to it, but kind of cut out the the pointless crap. So that is my take on the White Album. What do you guys have to say about that? Hmm. Well, the first thing that I noticed when you, you sent this in is um, there's a big disparity in terms of number of tracks between your uh, first side and your second side. I noticed that you tended to have the longer stuff on the second side. So your first side has what? One, two, eight. Yeah, um, a lot of the shorter songs are up top. Eight tracks, and then the second side is six tracks, and um, three of those are at least four minutes. So I, I was wondering, sort of, what's your goal with that, having a longer, or just a an A side that's the same length but with more songs, and then a B side that uh, takes its time a little bit more, you could say. Eight. Hey. I think for me, it's just kind. Of, it just kind of ended up like that. There wasn't. That wasn't really like the idea. It's just kind of. Um. I I like the idea of having you know starting off with something cut at first sight, starting off with something kind of energetic like back in the USSR, and kind of ending with something soft and sweet like Blackbird. Um. And you know, I I wanted something to build up the Helter Skelter. I don't know why that ended up kind of just being it towards the end, but I kind of kind of like the idea of of having, you know, kind of a good chunk of the album building up to that track. It again, kind of while my car, while my guitar gently weeps, it's the emotional high point of the record. And I feel like, again, if you want to end an album strong, that's, that's where you put, that's where you put that track. So, Mm -hmm. um, again, it's just kind of like the, what I wanted to do with this record is kind of how it ended up kind of like how the decides were, it up ended up with a lot of the shorter songs like you said are towards the top so that's kind of how it ended up being divided there wasn't really anything to that mm-hmm. and then also what's wh- why did you pick long 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 to start off your second side what was the reasoning behind that um because long 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 had a bit of a build i mean maybe dear prudence would have been a nice one to put there instead but um you know it had a bit of a build that could have led into something like savoy truffle which i know like thematically they're very different songs but in terms of musicality you know i feel like the long 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 had this kind of weird crazy loud ending and i think that was a good indicator of how this part, this side of the record was going to go towards Helter mm-hmm. Skelter. So I think that's why oh, I kind of okay. had to start off of that one. Yeah. Michael. Yeah. A compliment I want to give is I really admire how I, I know your George is your favorite Beatle. You make it very known, Andrew, but you still didn't like outright put favoritism in this track list towards George. You ended it with while my guitar gently weeps, which is a nice homage. It's a perfect send off. I agree. Looking back, I think I might've ended off my, um, my album with putting that there too, if I went back and restructured it, but I, that's something that's really hard to avoid, especially for hardcore Beatles fans is like, it would, would have been so easy for Ben and Ben did this too, to really favor Paul. Mm-hmm. It would have been, and this is something I actually did in mine is you you tend to see I favored John. So I like how you took a pretty objective take on this. I like how the songs flow. I like how you're trying to, whereas Ben was trying to start on a high point and kind of go down a slope, you kind of took the reverse starting out 
um, on the B side with some slower stuff and then building up to Helter Skelter, I think is, it, it would make a really good listening experience. Um, and yeah, I think it's really funky how you sort of had the shorter songs on the A side and the longer songs on the B side um, to kind of make the A side accessible for a, um, you know, a listener who wants to show this off to a friend who wants to go through a couple songs, you know, quickly and kind of give a taste of a flavor of all the rainbow uh, sounds that the Beatles have. And mm-hmm. then on the B side, you save these sort of like more experimental and um, really more art pieces for the second half, which I think is really cool. So good job, Andrew. Yeah. Something I was surprised by in looking at yours, Andrew, um, the the big surprise for me, I, I would say there are two, is that you have Obla D, Obla Da, and Martha, My Dear. Those are two songs that I would picture from knowing the kind of Paul stuff you tend to not like. Those are two things that I would imagine you wouldn't have. So well, they were definitely on the chopping block if I had mm. to shorten it. But yeah, you know, I Ubla Z is not among my favorite Beatle tracks, although I really love the chorus, um, you know, in the verses. I think there is this whimsical happiness to it, and it felt like it was an actually well written piece of music, unlike something like Wild Honey Pie or or What Why Don't You Do in the Road, just felt like just weird things he hammered out mm-hmm. in like five minutes and. It just serves no purpose whatsoever. I feel like that actually is a really properly fleshed out track. And Martha, my dear, like I, I think has kind of the best Ubladi without like kind of being dumb. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like the the weird bounciness to it. You know, I, I I can appreciate a lot of the bouncier, happier tracks from Paul. It's just a lot of times he ties it into weird stuff, like uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a Paul song. Um, oh, when I'm sixty four, can't stand that track. Mm-hmm absolutely hate it um because it's just i don't know this the idea just seems really stupid to me the lyrically but martha my dear is a nice sweet song so i think he wrote it for his dog which is actually kind of sweet you know you hear a lot of rock stars writing about their dogs so i don't know um that's 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 i mean i liked them enough i thought again i wanted to keep some varieties that's why i kept them and that definitely my my keeping of things like uh why don't we do it in the road definitely shows uh, first of all, obviously my proclivity for McCartney, but then also like my love of albums like his debut solo album that have sort of a, a ramshackle, unfinished nature to them. So I I see both sides of the argument, definitely. I th- Do you have anything else, Michael? I'm good. Then. Uh, I'm good too. Let's I see our Michaels. I want to see this. So... This, this, my list is uh, right away. You see that it's a lot shorter than Andrew and Ben's. I, um, I wanted to accomplish a number of goals with this track list. One, I wanted to highlight experimentation on my part. Um, you know, we're t- turning back to the craft analogy. I wanted mine to kind of be the uh, obscure Art Deco looking piece of shit. So there's a lot of um, jerking back and forth between slow songs and hard songs. Uh, you'll notice that it's short. It's a short collection of just good tracks in general. You have all the hits that you want on here, starting with back in the USSR, going into Obla D. Then I also wanted to take a lot of the rarities, specifically instrumentals, and somehow tie them in and sort of make it like a short, but also like a short album, but also kind of make it a concept piece. So I put Lady Madonna um, instrumentals with just piano and drums. Um, I did uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps after that. 
and then I did Julia and to close out uh, side A would have been Rocky Raccoon. Um, starting on side B with Good Night, a slow start, and then immediately punching you in the face with Helter Skelter. I don't know why, but I just I wanted to do that. And then you have uh, Savoy Truffle. Then you got Revolution, the singles one from Past Masters, which was the first Beatles song I ever heard. So mm-hmm. I really wanted to have that sort of homage in there. Um, then we have Your Blues, um, which was just the instrumental version. I wanted to close it out. Um, begin to close it out with um, another instrumental track. And then I come to Child of Nature, which is a demo, um, which eventually would become Jealous Guy, um, one of John Lennon's uh, you know bigger tracks. So you can kind of see the favoritism of John in here and Julia, Child of Nature. Um, but I also wanted to include the greatest hits of the other Beatles in there too, besides Ringo. So while my guitar gently weeps, uh, Obla D, um, you know, all that stuff is still in there. And then you have homages to kind of the um, lesser recognized works um, that really didn't make the final cut of the White Album. So like I said, this one is uh, really weird to unpack because I a lot of what I did was spur of the moment. As we explained at the beginning, this episode was very... Uh, it was not what we planned to do this weekend. So I didn't really have a lot of time to think it through, but listening back on it, I really enjoyed it because, you know, um, I imagine myself like listening to this whole thing, like in a car ride, you know, like Mm -hmm. I get, I get, I go really, I get like, um, I wanted to chill out with good night and then immediately bust into something like helter skelter and like, just, you know, make myself go crazy. So I, I don't know if this, list was formatted for a good listening experience but it was formatted for the way i like to consume albums which is not always listening to it in the proper order so i don't know what do you guys have to say i'm I'm expecting some critique here i feel as though you have spat in my face (laughs) (laughs) no but seriously when i when i posed this idea as our mini episode mini quarantine episode this is not what i expected at all um and i was very confused (laughs) and i would honestly have to sit with it a few times to try and get what you're trying to do here but um i i commend the use of rarities obviously i commend the use of uh alternate mixes as well there's lots of great resources that we didn't totally get into i mean there were a few tracks that were not album singles that were recorded around this time that neither andrew nor i used at all i only used one alternate take andrew didn't use any so you you really used all your resources to create sort of a frankenstein's monster kind of thing here that's what i was going for and uh, you succeeded i would say that um (laughs) i wasn't trying to offend you ben i really just wanted to (laughs) I, i think you know in an episode like this i think we should welcome uh some sort of uh frankenstein ish you know so you know, honestly, I wouldn't have expected anything less from you, Michael. You know, I'm, I'm not as deeply offended as Ben is for some reason. <laughs> no, this is, I mean, no, this is fine. You know, um, I'm glad you used Revolution, even though lyrically it's very hollow. Musically, slaps as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will commend you for using that one. It was almost tempting for me to put it in mine as well, but I, I didn't want to get anything else from, from mine, so I just kind of left it out. Um... Interesting that you use the instrumental version of 
Lady Mad- an instrumental version of Lady Madonna, not the actual regular single. Is there a reason why you did that? Yes, and that's because I wanted to contrast the parlor piano and drum and just really highlight the instrumentals, which would eventually come back on Rocky Raccoon. So there was some kind of correlation going on there. But at the end of the day, um, I've listened to Lady Madonna so many times. I can sing that song back to front. And sometimes I, when I'm listening to it nowadays, I just want to hear that piano and I just want to hear that drum combo. So it was really more of a personal thing. See, that's the interesting thing about yours is that I feel like if you took Andrew's or mine, you could kind of take it and put it in the context of 1968 and say like, here, here's this, but yours is more of like a companion piece or remix kind of, of the stuff we have. Like I said, I, I took the, um, the point of this episode as literally just compiling our favorite shit from the white album. And that's what I did. I, I really wasn't going for a pleasurable listening experience unless you're someone who likes to listen to it like I do, um, which is kind of all over the place. And, you know, and, you know, and here, here's what I have to say about to that, Michael. You know, I, and I, I think that's a really – I think that's a pretty admirable way of taking this because, again, I feel – and granted, maybe I'm not like – I just don't know to this day how I feel about the whole schizophrenic nature of what the white I'm supposed to be. I, I know I've heard often people describe it as like – four different, you know, solo records kind of shoved into each other and kind of made, made a fit. Well, um, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, having this weird Frankenstein's monster, I mean, Ben, I know you're like clowning that, but let's be honest, that's what the White Album is. Like, the White Album already was that in its original state. Um, you know, like the fact you had like something like Helter Skelter and Julia and Rocky Raccoon and Honey Pie all on the same record says a lot about how how like wildly differing contrasting views the, the band members had to, towards the music at this time. And, you know, again, does does it make it for a cohesive album listening experience? The original? No, it doesn't. Is it so fun? I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of filler and we I think I'll kind of remove that. But I... Yeah, I mean, honestly, this isn't too much of a different looking what you have here. This doesn't seem like too much of a different listening experience to what the original had to offer. So commend you for that, Michael, and also for at least having two George songs, at least having two, because he was always shafted from like putting any like having like more than two or in this case, four, because it was a double, you know, songs on a record. So I at least appreciated that. Right. Well, you know, that's something that's interesting is I, I hear that criticism a lot and I tend to agree with it because there's great stuff on all things must pass but then you look at the four songs that he has here um while my guitar gently weeps obviously instant classic long 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 I love as well Savoy Truffle I don't like but y'all two did so that's cool but then why is Piggies one of the four George songs I I agree I agree. I, I don't instrumentally, like I said, I like it. I think it was like a harpsichord or something. I, I, I appreciated like the little like weird eccentricities that they kind of like layered throughout that song. But yeah, lyrically, it's really hot bake. It's some sort of like critique on like upper class, like bourgeoisie kind of living. It's like cool. Why are we repeating songs about pigs? I get it. They're pigs, but Jesus, this is, it's, it's like if like, I don't know, a rich 30-something-year-old dude wrote, <laughs> wrote the lyrics to this one. Oh, wait, that's 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 who did it. Um, so, 
yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I don't think I don't think any of the stuff he put on there was bad. But I agree, you know, there there is a. It's interesting because he had so much. The reason why all things must pass his first solo record, proper solo record, I should say, was so long is because he had so much back. Yeah, such a huge backlog of songs you couldn't release because the Beatles were because John and Paul had such a monopoly over the songwriting process. Um, and it is interesting that these were like the four uh, of all the songs he probably had written by that point. These are the four that went on the record. I, I do agree, Ben. It's a bit of an interesting choice. So me, it, choosing between uh, choosing if Piggies was going to be on there is another thing I had to reckon with while putting this together, because to me, a lot of these songs sort of echo each other and give me the same feelings as maybe two or three others. Mm-hmm. So having Piggies immediately followed up with Rocky Raccoon I on the original album, I, I, I love both of those songs, but they sort of give me the same vibes. They're both really experimental with their instrumentation. They're both kind of singing in an abstract way with abstract lyricism. So I wanted to sort of choose between those two. And when it comes down to it, I prefer Rocky Raccoon. The same thing happened with if I was going to include um, Blackbird on on my list. I love Blackbird, but Julia does the same thing for me. Mm. And it's a John song. I mean, I mean at the end of the day, that's what it came down to. So right. on the piggies thing, that's my stance. Yeah. I mean, the, I'm going to ignore the fact that you just said that Julia is better than Blackbird, essentially. Um but I, I tend to echo the same thing. Like in looking at my notes for this that I wrote up today, um, for example, I didn't include your blues while two of you at least had some version of that. And I, having the benefit of hindsight, didn't put it in because I was like, oh, I know that the year after this comes out, I want you, She's So Heavy is going to do a similar concept, but a lot better in my opinion. So I can keep that out because I know that there's something coming that's going to be better. Um, and then, yeah, across the album, like you have stuff like Martha, my dear ends up doing kind of a similar thing to, uh, honey pie. There's just, there, there are repeated motifs for all the randomness. And in looking at all three of our versions overall, in, in a way to sort of end this segment, um, I think it's interesting that I feel like mine I was kind of trying to make it as cohesive of an album as possible. Andrew was kind of trying to keep the weirdness while cutting the crap. And then Michael was sort of the one who kept the original white album listening experience most intact by just making it the most jarring thing possible. <laughs> so that is a compliment. So I don't know. It, it, it really, it, it is our, it's each of our crafts and it does sort of give a little bit of our personality when you sit down with each of these versions of the album. For sure. I think Andrew, do we have anything else to discuss before Rex? Um, no, other than well, we right. want Ben wanted to talk about whether or not the uh, white album should have been a double or a single record LP. Uh, correct, Ben? Yeah, so I just the a last thing to sort of sum up everything we've talked about um is I think that it's in times like this with the white album in times like the clashes sandinista lots of times albums grow really big and then there's stuff that maybe shouldn't be there so what i figured we should discuss a little bit is should this be as long as it is 
should this be a double album at all? Or is there a way to cut it down to a single album that keeps it still very satisfying? What do you, what does anyone think about that? Should this be a double album? Should this be a single album? I think the fact that it took us so much thought and so much time and so much uh, effort to process what we would include shows that the white album coming out as it did in that time is the only way it can be presented. Um, I think it's, it's pretty um, like subjective to say it can be condensed down into just a 40, 40 minute thing. You know, I think at the end of the day, the Beatles knew what they were doing at the time. They knew that they were going to present this sort of Frankenstein esque uh, art piece and it's gonna it's it sticks around in that same way i can't view the white album in any other capacity even after getting the cool listing experiences that you both put together i don't know that's kind of my opinion yeah for me i'm I'm definitely on the fence i'm kind of trying to figure out how i feel because i look at you know something like my version because i made it and i'm like well you know i can see this working and then i look at this other list I have of stuff that we all left out. There's a half hour of songs that we all left out in some capacity, both versions of revolution. We didn't use revolution one or nine. We didn't use sexy Sadie. Everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey, mother nature's son, birthday, don't pass me by piggies or wild honey pie. So in terms of what we did, there's a half hour of material on the white album that doesn't need to be there or that isn't essential. However, I was thinking about it, and if these songs had been chopped off, and had this been a single LP, when I looked at, um, when I was, you know, they, they did the big reissue in 2018, where they put out all the bonus tracks, if I heard Don't Pass Me By as a bonus track, I would be like, oh, that's interesting, whatever, I'd hear it once and I'd never listen to it again, but because it's a part of the White Album, it's got a all these songs that even that none of us even used have kind of a place in the cultural lexicon just because they were on a Beatles album. And I guess in closing with that, I don't think I would really want the white album to be any other way, just because there are not very many Beatles albums. And I think we should just kind of appreciate what we have, which is something that we've all learned a lot within the last year. Andrew, what do you think? That's a very interesting way of putting it. But in terms of like the going off what you said, man, talking about how there's so many, there, there are like you said, like nine or so tracks that we all kind of left off this record. In fact, some of you even introduced alternate takes, um, you know, um, of, uh, of, of certain songs from the record. It just feels. You know, like there is stuff that um, could have been at least cut. I don't know if to a point where it should have been a single, you know, you know, version of it per se. But um, you know, sorry, a single album version of it per se. But mm -hmm. I, I, I still think that the record should have been at least trimmed down a bit. I think this is a little too much excess, even even for the Beatles. You know, as far as what was ultimately presented. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't make any too many drastic changes from what it was before. Like, there was to a point where I was writing the songs like, oh, but I actually do like the song. I don't really want to cut it, but I had to to just fit the length. Um, if it was at least like an hour and ten minutes, that would be perfectly fine. Um, I don't think it needs to be an hour and a half. Yeah, 
I think that that's a pretty good, good middle ground to look at it with. Um, and it definitely is a mini episode. We're only at like 45 minutes right now. Um, and we're about to get into recommendations. I'm sort of looking around for mine right now. So does someone else want to go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, front up real quick. Yeah. Uh, now we can finally listen to some music that won't be copyrighted on YouTube, but, um, yeah, my first rec, I am going to recommend Joni Mitchell again, but not the stuff that you usually hear. I wanted to recommend this particular song called The Jungle Lion because I, I came on in the car a few days ago and I was sort of like, this is a Joni Mitchell song. Starts out with these crazy like bass boosted drums and then I start listening to the rest of the record and you hear her start experimenting with electronics and weird instrumentation and it just turned into like a fantastic experience for me and i want other people to kind of experience that too so not this won't be the Joni mitchell that you thank you ben go (laughs) Go ahead and give it a listen all i have to say to it and that's what's on it oh my yeah, god it's fantastic sounds like Joni mitchell with like the silver apples or something wow yeah wow what oh it's certainly not the Joni mitchell i know so yeah pretty cool um i do believe it is my turn uh and we already uh thanks to ben and his immaculate uh co- <laughs> podcast producing uh we already heard a bit of it so <laughs> As I'm, it's okay. yeah that's staying in it's taken. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. So, well, you already heard a bit of this weird, psychedelic, trippy song a bit. Um, we have the song uh, Some, Sun T- Some Sun Sick Day by neo-folk artist Morgan Delt. I don't know where he comes from in the country. I don't know how old he is or much about him. All I know is he does neo-folk stuff. Slightly folky. Um, so, new psych stuff, I should say. It's mostly psychedelic rock, but there's some folk twinges to it. Um you know, there's, you can, I think even the Spotify um, bio biography of, of his, you, it even says that he uh, kind of draws some early uh, Pink Floyd, which you can definitely hear um, in, in his stuff. I think it's really interesting. Um, it's not exactly, uh, well, this song in particular, it's not exactly an uh, obscure track. In fact, I think it has, yeah, over 11 million uh, monthly listens, but uh, he himself, his other stuff doesn't, uh, doesn't seem to really break the 1 million mark too much monthly listen so he's just obscure enough in my eyes to, to play and also if any song was going to play from him to have to do this one because it's just gorgeous so here we go some sun sick day <laughs> 
take two. a save no doubt i know i think i knew that song in like high school um and it just isn't saved on my spotify right now so i don't know what happened to it but yeah that's excellent nice wreck mm-hmm. uh as as i don't know if i've actually mentioned it on the show but um it's probably not a secret considering our new weezer cruise question that has already been immediately abandoned but i've been li- slowly listening through all of weezer recently um, and I haven't heard a lot of demos. I have heard demos of stuff that should have come out on albums in place of other horrible tracks, which seems to be a thing that Weezer does very consistently. Um, but something I'm bringing today is a Rivers Cuomo demo that I found very interesting because to me, one of my favorite artists is a man named Mike Kroll, who I've talked about, I think once specifically on this show, which was on our uh, decade wrap-up episode from a few seasons ago. And his first two albums have a very homemade sound to them. And this Rivers Cuomo demo called Paperface that I'm about to play for you sounds a lot like his stuff to me. It's the only time I've heard Rivers sound like this. And I don't know, it just, it really appealed to me because of that. And I found it very, very interesting. Um, so I'm going to play a little bit of this demo, Paperface. Definitely, it has all the artifacting and dropouts that something recorded on a cassette recorder does. The lyrics are a little suspect, but as always, that melody is just perfect. I love the chorus. I love the verse. It sounds great. I have a question, Ben, about this track. Yeah. Um, Do you think Rivers would go on the Weezer cruise? (laughs) 
That's a very good question. I don't know. Oh, Andrew, I have a question for you. Um, so from 2009 to 2014, there was something called the Weezer Cruise. Um, and I was just wondering, uh, I'm kind of having deja vu, but would you go on that? Um, what material? Well, here's the thing, though. They, the, the record they went out, they released in 2009 was uh, Ratitude. Of course. Awful, terrible record that no one should ever listen to. So if that's the stuff they're playing on it, no. So, However, so here's what I'm getting. Here's what I'm getting. Andrew would go on the Rivers cruise. The Weezer cruise. And Rivers would not go on the Weezer cruise. Andrew. Well, well kind of, actually, because the reason I brought up Ratitude, I, 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 made, I, I made that point again because it's interesting because uh, the, the, the records you pulled is from the collection. You pulled the song Paperface from Ben. On Alone 2, there is a version of Can't Stop Partying from Ratitude. <laughs> like the big single and it is awful the probably the worst reason song ever however the michael are you okay <laughs> andrew mullen everybody let's give a round of applause let, let, let me finish there is an acoustic version of can't stop partying that's actually really good like wow if you want an example of like the most night and day altering versions between two songs how much how much of a difference approach and style i uh, can make a song better seriously even if you hate, you know, can't stop partying. Like every sane person should go check out the acoustic mm. version from the Alone Two collection. It's actually really good. Okay, so, so at this point, Andrew would still not go on the Weezer cruise. Is that what I I'm mean, to understand? What, what are they playing? What material are they playing? All, all, all I know is I've. I think they were playing everything because it's just Weezer fans on there, so they're dipping into the rare stuff. And I've seen a video of Rivers Cuomo reading his diary from when he wrote Pinkerton on stage for like an hour. I, I don't you want to hear that? Care. It's not the music. I don't care. Don't you want to hear that though? No, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. It's man's personal business. Well, to end, I'm trying to relax. To or... end this Rivers Cuomo Weezer tangent that will, <laughs> will now be featured on every episode. Um, I must say, if you go to the Rivers Cuomo website, there are like, 3,000 demos that you can buy. There's a demos collection for each period of Weezer stuff. And there's like a thousand everything will be all right in the end albums or demos that you can buy for nine bucks. So if you're some sort of insane person, um, you can go spend like a hundred bucks on Rivers Cuomo's website and have basically every note he's ever recorded. So there you go. Um, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. Lessons of this episode. Beatles, White Album, Weezer, Cruise. Beezer. Next week, we're going to hopefully be doing some record roulette, which is what we set out to do. Tune in for that. Tune in to Soundcheck. What do we say at the end of every episode, boys? Good night, Detroit. Baby, just get back the phone I'm back in the USSR